This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Lila Smith. I met Lila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Lila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andra Danizzi. And today I, I have for you a really, really dear to my heart person that I met on LinkedIn a few months ago, maybe more than a year now. Um, and I have learned a lot from her about how to say things in the right way. And that's actually what she does. But I would like to introduce to you a uh, speaker and branding strategist um, by her name, Jamie Cohen. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? Hi, Andrada. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Please help me communicate even better today because I can <laughs> go up on words just because I'm having you on the show. So Tell us a bit about your background and what you do at the moment for the people who never got a chance to actually meet you before. Sure. Uh, well, thank you again for having me on the show. Um, I'm Jamie Cohen, and I am the founder and uh, communication expert behind The Right Words. So I help individuals and businesses use the right words so that they can become empowered, empathetic communicators who are not only better at speaking, but better at listening. Mm. Because with any sort of conflict or any sort of confusion, it comes from lack of context. And lack of context comes from weak communication skills. So this is something that can be applied to any area of life, whether you are applying for a job, negotiating your salary, um, speaking with an intimate partner, um, communicating with your boss, or an executive communicating with their staff. Everyone needs to learn how to be, how to say things in a way that their audience can understand them. Because you can be the most beautiful storyteller, you can be the most talented expert in your field, but if your audience doesn't understand what you're saying and isn't interpreting what you're saying the way that you meant it to be interpreted, then you're not getting the message across. And then that's when any sort of conflict might arise, and that's not what you want. And that's true. So, Yes. So it's, it's been um, a really incredible experience. I just rebranded about six months ago and the full launch was in January. And it's been amazing to work with all different types of people and see that almost everyone, virtually everyone has everything that they need already. They just need to learn how to say what they're saying in the right way. They just need to use the right words for them. And a lot of times people will think in order to be a strong communicator, you need to have a huge vocabulary. You need to say specific things in a specific way, but really it's all about using the right words for you. What sounds most natural coming out of your mouth and what, what can you say that is most clear using an economy of words rather than using a lot of buzzwords and a lot of fluff to describe something that's very simple. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. And if you were to describe Jamie Cohen in a few words, in the best way that you could, besides what you just told us, what would be, let's say, what would those words be that define you? Let, let's say, let's go for five words. What sure. word would five those words. words be? So I would say that I am, I don't know if this is going to be five words. <laughs> I would say that I am a passionate adventurer who loves trying new things, which isn't exactly five words, <laughs> but no, but it's okay. It was just a you know a, sh a short game. But I wanted to know to to see how you use you know the proper words to describe yourself because in the end, you know, it's 
pretty easy to advise the others. And I'm sure that you've been hitting yes. this wall a few times in your life, but it's easier to assist the others, but it's, uh, you know, harder when it comes to your own person. Absolutely. So, I tell people about this all the time because the, the sort of work that I help other people do, sometimes I struggle with myself. So I still have coaches and advisors and people that I speak with when I need help getting things aligned or if I want to um, want to make sure that I'm using the right words for me, which I'm pretty comfortable with, but it's always great to have a sounding board. And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted. Um, if you're, if you have a big network or if you work in a company, there's a lot of different people that you can speak to, but when you're an entrepreneur, your, your audience or the people surrounding you, your colleagues who you might be able to bounce ideas off of, they, they're not at your apartment. If you're working from home, you know, you need to schedule time in order to speak with them so that you're not just isolated and staring at your walls and realizing you haven't left your apartment in three days or talk to anybody except for your clients. Oh, I so hear you on that. Yeah, that's so true. But that's, that's the life of an entrepreneur, you know, but we're going to grow up one day and we're going to go out there in the wide world and meet a lot of people. At least I know that's one of my greatest dreams. You know, I, I want to travel the world one day and meet all these amazing people that, that I have, you know, virtually, got to to meet on LinkedIn for instance because there is where I feel like family and of course one of the one of the people would be would be you um I want to ask you something in particular before we we started recording this uh you are telling me about a great adventure that um you you went through last evening would you like to share that with the audience too I think that's interesting (laughs) So last night I spoke to a group of college kids um, that were between the ages of 18 and 21 about building a personal brand and how that can not only give you confidence in yourself, but also help you land a job before you graduate from school. So when when I was in school, I I had a lot of different majors. I was pre-med, I was studying psychology, Spanish and Portuguese. Um, and then also did a certificate in universal design of web and web applications. So I was doing so many things because I was so passionate about learning, but spreading yourself that thin is not always great. And I didn't have a lot of guidance when it came to next steps. I thought I would go out and try some artistic passions and then I would apply to med school and that would be it. But then realized that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So I graduated speaking four languages and having all these skills and couldn't get a job. So we talked about, yeah, I mean, granted it was 2011. So the market was very different, especially in the U.S. back then. Um, But even now, there there are a few things that you need to do to guarantee yourself a job after school. So we talked about the importance of having, um, of building a network and having internships because those are a great foray, foray into a full-time job. You're able to get a feel for what it's like to work a nine to five, even though you're not necessarily there the whole time, but you also understand the team dynamics and understand communication practices and build um, a network of people who might want to hire you at their company or don't necessarily have a position open, but are impressed by your work and can offer to introduce you to someone else. So we talked about the, the importance of starting that process as early as your freshman year. And then also um, different types of communication. So one, one thing that's really interesting is that college kids are almost exclusively communicating via Snapchat. I mean, there are still college-age kids who use Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but the way that they're communicating with their friends is exclusively on Snapchat. And so we talked about that, and I asked them a lot about what they use it for and the sort of content that they capture and why they do that. And it's, it was really interesting because that's a space where they feel free, where they feel like their parents aren't lurking, but it's also a space where they're able to get news from all these different sources. So something that I learned and that, I mean, has been apparent for a while, but I just got more insight on is that Snapchat is a great place for brands to be because that's where all of the college kids are hanging out 
that's a great place to talk about your product, to talk about things that are specifically for them because that's where they're spending their time. Um, but then we talked about also how do you navigate LinkedIn? How do you make that transition? Because from their perspective, LinkedIn is the stuffy place. It's all business. <laughs> you know, they, their kids, they don't have anything to talk about. And so I was talking to this one kid in particular who was incredible. He's an entrepreneur, but just didn't have the confidence in his product, which is like revolutionary. So he has a product where, um, that it's, it's a portable device that you can restring tennis rackets with, which doesn't exist right now. Normally when you have a tennis racket and the strings break, you have to send it to a shop and then it takes some time. And that's, you know, unless if you're just starting out, you don't necessarily have the funds for a bunch of fancy rackets. You might, you have your one nice racket. So this is something that anyone can use. And so he, he's been interning at um, different tennis related businesses and was talking about like going to trade shows and how to get the product launched. And he said, but I don't know, you know, like when I'm on Snapchat, sometimes I just talk about my life or I talk about parties at my frat and that's not something anyone else would be interested in. So I talked to them about reframing. So I said, well, try to look at it from a different perspective. Being in a fraternity, yeah, you guys probably have a lot of crazy parties, but also think about the different fraternities that you've been to. In order to have parties that go off without a hitch and that are actually enjoyable, you have to have strong leadership. You have to have a committee that is invested in having an event that's going to be successful because there's a difference between putting a bunch of kegs in a room and inviting people over than, than planning an event and getting, you know, getting decorations and background backdrops and um, different food and different drinks and like creating an environment where people are going to have a good time based on the activities that you've put together versus just hoping for the best. And I said, that is an aspect of leadership. Even though it feels just like throwing parties, you have to get things scheduled. You have meetings, you're doing philanthropy. There are so many things that are going on. Those are things that you can talk about. Those are things you can talk about on LinkedIn and that different companies might find interest in because they'll say, oh, well, I, I heard about this big event that you planned. I, I heard um, about some different initiatives that you're starting, some different um, philanthropies that you're doing. And that's the sort of leadership we could use at our company. And then, but he, then he asked, well, how do I pair that with what I'm doing? And he said that he wanted to get uh, a job at um, a company. He wanted to sell his product, but he wanted to do it via another company versus going off on his own to start. Because when when you go to these trade shows or when you go to these events, you're required to purchase a license, which is really expensive. So instead, he could go through another company, be a brand ambassador for them, promote their products, but also show off his. Mm -hmm. So we talked about like, how do you tell a story that resonates and how do you use experiences from your life in order to translate that onto LinkedIn? So we, we talked about telling those stories about being in the frat, telling stories about his life experiences, about things that he's doing in school, and then also just relate that to this product that he is promoting. And so I said, you know, for every four or five posts that you are, or for every three or four posts that you're storytelling, the fourth or fifth post could be about your product. And you could introduce yourself, talk about your product, why you're passionate about it, give people an understanding of what you're doing after they understand who you are. Because, you know, as you and I both know, people want to hear your story. If they, yeah. if they're, if your story resonates with them, if it's something that they can relate to, then they're willing to hear whatever you have to say. And not only are they willing, they're eager to hear what you have to say about whatever is on your mind. And that's the power of storytelling. So that's something that I was explaining to all of them. I said, regardless of what field you're going into, because there were people who were interested in marketing, people who were interested in finance, people who were chemical engineers, um, people who were in applied mathematics, they all had plans about going into different jobs and they, they hadn't realized how effective storytelling can be when it comes to finding a new or finding your first job. Right. Right. And 
uh, in regards to storytelling, what, what was the most valuable advice that you gave them? Because I'm sure that there were a lot of questions from, from people, right? And they asked you, why, why is the value of storytelling so high? I'm just assuming that it was, you had this kind of question, right? So they, they were sort of listening a lot more than they were speaking, but they did ask questions when, when the questions arose. But as far as, I mean, we, we talked about a bunch of different things. We talked about LinkedIn and storytelling and networking and how to have um, better conversations, how to leave uncomfortable conversations. But the, the best advice I gave them was that um, storytelling is a great way to explain why you're doing what you're doing. And so I went around and asked them to tell me, what are you studying and what is something that inspires you? And the re and they all told me and they were a little bit confused about why I wanted to know what inspires them. And I said, who you are is not what you do. Who you are is how, in how you feel, the passions you have, what inspires you, what your goals are. And those are the things that you tell your story about. You don't, you don't focus your story on your career. You focus your story on your hopes and your dreams and why you're, why you're doing what you're doing and the everyday. And that's the story that people fall in love with. That is the story that people can, that people resonate with because they understand struggles and they understand, you know, trials and tribulations and triumphs. And those are the sorts of things that make them feel not saying that, Oh yeah, I got a job at this great company and I make a bunch of money right out of college. That's yeah. not, that's not relatable. The story that is relatable is that, you know, I'm 19 years old. I have a lot of passions and interests. I don't really know what I want to do, but I'm figuring it out because these are the things that I'm passionate about. And here are the steps that I'm taking every day to sort of figure out, you know, I know who I am, um, but how, how does that scale? Because that's something that I think a lot of people don't consider when when you're 18 years old, the way you think then is totally different from the way you think when you're 23 or 25 or 28. So understanding who you are in that moment and being able to scale that, being able to take what you know and apply that to with what you're learning, that's what gets you to the next level. And that's something that you include when you're telling your story. So people are with you for the journey. They're not just hearing a story about one time, they're hearing about you growing. They're hearing about different things that you've come into contact with. And even, even if you don't have any moral of the story, if you're just talking about an experience you had, um, especially at that age, and you, you don't have a teaching moment, you can just say that I wanted to talk to you about this because this was something that um, was unexpected, had a lot of impact on my life. I don't know how that's going to, how things are going to transpire from here on out, but I know that this felt different than anything else I've ever experienced, and I want to keep talking about it. Hmm, I like that, and 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 I I totally relate to the fact that people actually want to learn you, the person behind anything else, you know, be it business or you know, uh, future plans in regards to your career as a student and so on. So I, I think your advice was um, one of the greatest that I've heard so far, especially on, you know, addressed to people of that particular age, because as you said, they don't actually think about it and no one actually teaches people about that. So this is one one amazing way that you chose to actually bring and make an impact on on those people last evening and i'm so happy that you shared this this experience with us you know do you realize the impact that you actually made on those on those kids <laughs> i i hope so that was something that was really important to me because when i was that age i had so many interests and so many passions. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I mean, I had some semblance of an idea, but I didn't have something set in stone. And I was constantly asking questions about how to do certain things. And there was no one to help me. I just sort of had to figure it out. And I wasn't the sort of person that was waiting for an answer. I was going out and asking. And yeah. so 
since having gone through that experience, it's always been really important to me to give advice to kids that they can use now and answer the questions that they've been afraid to ask. Like for instance, getting into this conversation, we were talking about networking and I said, what is your biggest fear when it comes to networking or meeting new people or just interacting? And something that came up a lot was um, dealing with silence, dealing with the conversation petering out and how to leave a conversation when it's going on and on and you're not engaged anymore. So we were, we were talking about um, one, one kid was saying that he gets really uncomfortable when he's having a great conversation with his friends and he realizes that that conversation is about to come to an end and he doesn't know what else to say. So I asked him, why is it your job to continue that conversation? Mm, and, he and he didn't know the answer. He, he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I'm worried that they're going to judge me if I don't have anything to say. And I said, there's so much power in silence and silence is something that people fear the most, but it is totally fine to feel a conversation coming to an end and to just be silent, to just look at the person you're speaking with and smile because you don't have anything else to say or say, you know, that's all I really had to say. And then that's it. You don't, you don't have to worry about being judged. That's just being honest. That's just sitting in the silence. And there is so much power in that. And Another, another kid was asking about, he said there's someone or a few people that he speaks to on occasion and the conversation just goes on and on and on and he's not engaged and he has places to go and he's like, I just don't know how to leave. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I used to really struggle with, especially at networking events because I didn't want to hurt the other person's feelings. I didn't want them to feel like I didn't care, but I wasn't seeing value in our conversation anymore. So we talked about how, how to um, excuse yourself gracefully. And like if you're on campus and you're talking to someone and they just keep going on and on and on, it's okay to interrupt them and to say, I'm sorry to interrupt. I do have to get going. I'm so glad that we got to catch up. It's been great chatting with you. Um, I hope I see you in the next couple days. I hope I see you sometime soon, but just acknowledging that you you were interested in what they have to say, but also explaining that you do have to go. You don't have all the time in the world to just sit and talk. And this allows you to leave without hurting someone's feelings and without losing all of this energy on the stress of being in a conversation you don't want to be in. Mm, that's an interesting approach. Yeah, that's, that's something that at some point I could have used big time, you know, if, if anyone told me, especially because in... In my early 20s, um, I wasn't diplomatic at all. I mean, I'm that kind of person, as you already very well know, that I'm that kind of person that what you see is what you get. But still, at some, some point in my life, I could have used this kind of advice because I was like, you know, I wouldn't care if I hurt people's feelings. But in, you know, in the past two years, I... I learned that actually I need to shift my thinking and consider more about what people actually feel, even though I don't necessarily need to consider their opinion, but their feelings are more important. And Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making that shift in becoming more and more diplomatic, even though I don't want to sugarcoat truth or anything. But um, I, I used to have this, this kind of discussion with my mom about the, how we say things not necessarily about what we're saying but how you know the the way that we approach when we want to say especially critical things mm -hmm. or especially you know when you want to tell someone that they're wrong so again that that would have been um an advice that i could have used big time but i want to ask you in this kind of situation when you see someone communicating in such a manner just like the one I just exposed, you know, um, all defensive and they, they want to let you know that their truth is actually the universal truth or anything. How do you use communication in such a way, you know, that you bring them the attention to the fact that they need to also listen, mm -hmm. but um, to also explain to them that their approach is not the best? 
people have to be willing to receive advice. And I, as you know, I enjoy a good serving of unsolicited advice because I was always looking for advice that I didn't get. And so now I just give it out and hope that it lands for people that can use it. But, <laughs> but you do, if you want advice to be helpful, someone has to be receptive. If someone is extremely defensive, giving them advice is only going to make them more defensive. But if someone's speaking with you and they're extremely defensive, you should still be compassionate because their defensiveness probably comes from having been hurt or having been in a situation where people don't generally listen to them, whether that's their family or a partner or people at work. And so if they're, if they're, be, if they're extremely defensive, something that I like to do to just show them that we're on the same page is if they're getting like very fired up about something, I'll, I'll stop them and say, hey, I'm with you. And then just let them like breathe that out for a second and say, why is it, you know, I'm with you. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Why is it so important for you to convince me um, of your position? I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what you have to say. I, I think what you're saying has a lot of merit, but would be really interested to know what the value is in, in changing my mind or anyone else's mind. Wow. And usually that, that stops them because they, they, that also causes a little bit of defensiveness in the moment, like for a second, but then they stop and think and they say, well, I, I don't, I'm not really sure. I, I'm, this is something that's really important. So they might say, well, this, this is important to me because I, I feel when I say things that, um, if I'm not emphatic that people aren't listening and people don't have time for me and you know, I know that it's just us, but I want to make sure that I get my point across. And then that when, when you, if you get that moment where they have this, this, um, they are giving you this moment of intimacy mm -hmm. where they're allowing you to see what they're feeling. That's, that's when you have the opportunity to give some advice and say, you know, I think your opinions, um, have so much validity and I, there's a lot of value in what you're saying. I know that there are a lot of people that have different opinions. So something that you might consider when you're talking to someone with an alternative opinion is um, to ask them what they think about something and then respond based on how they're answering. So if they say, well, I think this opposite thing actually, and you, then you're able to say, oh, well, that's, that's really interesting. That's something that I used to think and I know that's something that a lot of people think. I feel this particular way because my experiences have led me to um, feel that this, this particular opinion is my truth or the truth, and here's why. Um, I hear where you're coming from, and thank you for sharing that with me. This is, this is what, uh, what I feel is my truth. What do you think about that? Right. So you're you're acknowledging the other person, you're acknowledging yourself, and then you're opening the converse, you're opening up the conversation. So you're not dictating to a person, you're not, you're, you're not imposing yourself upon them. Instead, you're, you're explaining how you feel and asking them how they think or what they think about how you feel. Mm, that's a really interesting approach because again, we're not being taught to interact between ourselves in such a manner. Right, mm -hmm. we are actually uh, rather taught to just uh, shut up or, <laughs> you know, silence that that voice of ours that we're so keen into putting out there and just express, you know, voice our minds, which which is kind of frustrating. I've been there so many times, so I can mm -hmm. definitely hear what 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 you're talking about. <laughs> Have you heard of Arian? If not, you may want to head to Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Gasket. That's my book. <laughs> I know that you'll fall in love with the main character and with the person that pops up on the way in order to help him unveil that adventure which is called self-development. So let me know what you think. Thanks. We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey 
of our business startup or we're coaching or we're writing and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that is pretty difficult to get the word out there, but that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. When it comes to that person that um, you're asking why they feel that way, mm-hmm. what happens when a person doesn't actually have an explanation? Because I, I've been in that kind of situation where a person cannot explain why their opinion is better than yours. So mm-hmm. how do you, do you approach this kind, this kind of situation? Um, so, if, so if a person says, you know, I, I'm not really sure why I feel this way. This is just how I feel and I know it to be true. You yeah. can just, that's when the power of silence is most effective. So just sit with that to go, hmm, okay. And just sit with that for a moment, but not like responding because everything that you say can be taken in a number of ways, but responding with the tone and the texture to allow that person to see that you're thinking about what they said. You're not being sarcastic. You're not um, pushing off what they've said. So they, they don't really know why they feel that way. So then you give yourself a moment and say, um, do you think that it could be because of this? And then give a suggestion as to why they might feel that way. And sometimes they'll become extremely defensive and say, well, I don't know why you would think I would feel that way. That's not true. And then, but other times people will say, oh, maybe, yeah, it could be that. That's how I was raised. That's the environment that I've been around. Um, and, And I guess I've been combed to sort of think the way that I think. And this is something, I have this discussion with a lot of people, especially around politics. I really don't like discussing politics because people feel physically attached to their political opinion and they feel that political opinion in general, especially this is in the US, I've noticed, um, that their political opinion or political opinion in general is attached to your character. And that's, I, I don't enjoy speaking about politics because I am always learning. I'm always growing. My opinion right now is my opinion right now, but tomorrow it might be different. Next week it might be different based on what I'm learning and the different information I'm consuming. My opinion could change. They could change my opinion, but a lot of people will have conversations and you say something and they believe that that's your ultimate truth. (coughs) Excuse me. So for people who are really attached to their political opinion, I've had conversations with people who start crying when they start talking about something that they think I don't agree with. And so I just stop and I listen and I say, why, why are you so upset? Why are you crying? And they say, well, this is so important to me and I don't know why you don't feel this way. And, and I say, you know, I feel a number of different ways. I haven't said to you that I disagree with you. I'm just listening to your opinion and, um, you know, what you think about this particular thing is not who you are. And there's no, I, you are entitled to your emotions, but there's no reason to get this upset over a topic that does not define who you are. And then I say, when, when I look at any situation, I like to look at both sides. I won't, I won't, I can't just listen to 
one opinion and then have that be the ultimate truth. I am open to the fact that I, even if I am an expert in something, that I might be wrong, that my truth could be my version of the truth and not the actual truth. That what I know now is something that I still need time to grow with. And would it be, do you think for you, it would be possible to look objectively at both sides of the situation, even with something that you are so angry about that you, you have just so much animosity towards, can you put yourself in a person's shoes who might feel that way and under, try to understand why they might feel the way they feel and find any little tiny piece of validity in their opinion, even if you don't agree with it? Because the whole idea is that intelligent minds can disagree. You, yeah. you can have one opinion, opinion, another person can have another opinion. That doesn't mean that either of you are wrong. That means that you've had different life experiences that have, that have affected the way that you think. And so when people say, I don't know why I feel this way, I like to give, I like to ask them, do you think this could be it? If, if they are defensive, then I back it up. If they're not, then continue the conversation. And usually when you give someone a suggestion, then all of a sudden they have a number of reasons why they could be feeling the way they're feeling. Well, it's interesting you say that. I don't think that's why I feel that way, but I do think that you know, my, my parents were very passionate about this particular thing and they told me how important it was that I believe this thing. And even though I've had my own experiences in the back of my mind, I feel this attachment to this thing that they've said. And I, it's me, I've never really thought about that before. And I'm, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to do some research and start looking at this from you know, a number of different angles so that I can get the full picture. And that happens more often than you think or people are open to, to looking at things in a different way. Wow, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I, I just realized that by using your approach, you're actually literally opening the other person's eyes to start acknowledging their own problems or their own you know, situation that they're in and the fact that they may may need to to put in some efforts to realize what's going on in their lives right yeah absolutely and one other thing that i that i noticed in what you said um right now it's the fact that assuming is really really hurting any sort of relationship i mean again i've been there a lot of times in any kind of on any kind of level that you you may think of Mm-hmm. And I totally disagree with the fact that, you know, assuming is something that we should do. But when, when it comes to, um, you know, trying to impose our truth, also I agree with you with the fact that it's, it may just be your angle of the truth, so not the entire truth. And the mm-hmm. third thing that I, I, I caught from, uh, from what you just recounted and I lost my idea, was the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Yeah, but I was just hanging to this specifically, particularly not to, not to forget it, you know, because it's uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I, was, I was even more passionate about. But yeah, well, it happens even during a podcast episode, yeah. and that's the... That's the beauty of real interaction, right? Yes. So I want to ask you something else, Jamie, in regards to impact. We spoke about how you impacted these youngsters' lives last evening. But in general, I like to ask the questions to, to all my guests. And one of the questions is, how do you feel about the power of choice in general? Um. I think that there it's extremely powerful and that our perspective allows us to make certain choices versus other choices and as we as we age we realize how much more power we have in the choices we make because when we're younger we think we don't have the ability to make certain choices we believe that we have to fit into this specific mold in order to be accepted. 
And that's not, that's not so. And the choices we make can totally change the trajectory of our lives. And I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Um, so I, I studied a bunch of different things in school and there was one semester that I was taking all of my science classes. I was studying three languages at the same time and um, I was doing some other thing. And science is basically a language. And so I didn't do so well in that class. And I was speaking to a guidance counselor and asking, you know, I want to go to medical school. Should I retake this class? And he said, no, don't retake the class now. If you want to go to medical school, you can take that class later. And that choice changed the trajectory of my life. Had I retaken that class and done well in it, I would have likely been more prepared to apply to medical school and may have done that right out of college versus waiting a few years and then having different experiences that led me to where I am now. So is where I am now the wrong place? No. But those choices that I made put like totally changed my life. Another thing is that when I was five years old, I lived in Georgia. I went to a private school. Um, I was reading at age four. I was reading high school level by age five, six. And had I stayed in that school, I am certain that I would have gone to an Ivy League university. And my experiences would have been so much different. And I would have gone into... Um, either gone right into medicine or into some career in business and what would my life have been like and who would my friends have been. But all of that, the thing is like, what if, what if, what if I always love asking that question because I like looking at the idea of like alternate universes, but where you are is, is not, it's not ever going to be perfect but there is so much beauty in where you are at this moment based on the choices that you've made. And where you are in this moment doesn't determine where you're going to be for the rest of your life. Six years ago, I was in comedy. I was doing stand-up and improv. I was a competitive salsa dancer. I thought I was going to compete at the World Salsa Congress and become a professional dancer. And that is not what I'm doing now. And I don't regret not being in that position now. I love where I am right now. Are there complications every day? Are things hard? Absolutely. <laughs> but I still, I'm, I have met so many incredible people, people like you, so many amazing individuals through LinkedIn, through Instagram, through daily life that had I been in that experience, I wouldn't have been exposed, exposed to because which, in whichever environment you're in, especially if it's corporate or if it's like very, very specialized, you're only exposed to a particular group of people, especially with dancing, for instance. When I was training, I was training five hours a day and then I was going out social dancing every single night and all my whole life surrounded dancing. All the people I was meeting were specifically in that community Mm -hmm. and I met some incredible people, but being in a more flexible position now where I'm still working just as hard as I was, maybe not physically, but mentally, I'm able to interact with so many different types of people. I still have my friends who are dancers, but I, I'm also meeting brilliant minds in, in business and in science and in um, all these incredible fields, communication that I may not have been exposed to had I just stayed in that area. So there, the choices you make do mold your life into a specific shape, but as with any sort of clay that you're molding, it, can keep, it keeps changing. The more that you touch it, the more that it changes. And I think going back to what you said about assuming that when, when we make assumptions about others, or even when we make assumptions about ourselves, that's eliminating possibilities. That's deciding that you know everything. And because of this experience, you know what the answer is. And if that's how you think, you miss out on so much information. And I think, you know, I can't remember if it was a professor or if it was a teacher um, in back in school, they said to me, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. 
because you know assume you like take the you out and me and yeah, it's I've heard that before too <laughs> and i thought that that was so stupid when i heard that i was like oh cool you're smart and because <laughs> i was a kid of course so that's how i thought um but looking looking at that now it's so true when when you make an assumption you make a decision about how someone is and you that makes you look silly because you're not giving that person an opportunity to tell you who they are or what they think or what they know and it's all it's all making the choice to assume is making the choice to close yourself off mm, i like this i like this you're you're so true you know that actually assuming is just closing our horizons, right? Just limiting our, our horizons and, and being so quick to, to, to place a label on the other, right? Mm -hmm. I do have yeah. some issues with labels. I mean, I'm the I do person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, so you get me, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm that person. I wrote a, an article at some point, which is actually called labels get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, it's true. And also when I heard this, you know, when you're assuming you make an ass out of you and yourself and myself, I was like, yeah, right. You know, just like a similar reaction that you had that um, they just consider themselves to be smarter than we are. But it's, it's true. It's true that we're just putting ourselves in, in this area of limiting beliefs, right? In yes. the end. Absolutely. And, and doing that actually causes a lot of conflict. And this is something that, that I work on quite a bit with clients, um, especially, so this happens with a lot of different people. This happens with people who are first starting jobs or people who are transitioning into a new job. There's, there's always an adjustment period. They get into a job and not all personalities mesh. That's just the way that it is. And mm. their boss their personality is not meshed with their boss's personality. And so they start feeling uncomfortable and they start disliking their boss and then they start disliking their job and then they build up so much resentment. They start hating their job and then they're desperate and they start looking for a new job. But that desperation is so apparent. They can't find a new job because anyone who's interviewing can see how desperate they are, but they can't leave their job because they need the money. And then it's this cycle of craziness where they are just emotionally torn and miserable in their job when this could have been nipped in the bud immediately. And this is something I was talking about last night with these kids too, is the importance of directness. So mm -hmm. when, when you're feeling, when you're making an assumption, when you feel like you're being mistreated, the first thing you do generally is you make an assumption that this person is treating you this way because they think that they're better than you are. Mm -hmm. But a way to, to determine what's actually happening is if, if your boss you feel isn't treating you the way you want to be treated, go into their office and say, you know, things have been a little bit tough lately. I am really passionate about what I'm doing. I want to do a good job. Do you have any advice for me moving forward so that I can improve? And then giving, like listening, like actively listening to what they're saying, try to understand why they're talking to you in the way that they're, and the way that they're speaking with you. And then also asking, what can I do to make your job easier? I see how busy you are and I appreciate the work. And even if they aren't really helping you, acknowledging that you see how hard they work is something that is so helpful saying i see how busy you are and i know that you i appreciate you taking the time now because i know you don't have a lot of it um what what are a couple things that i could do to make your day easier each day and that that changes the mentality that that softens either the anger or the discomfort or whichever conflict is is coming in because then you're acknowledging that your boss is a person, that they have a life, that their yeah. job is hard also. And then that opens dialogue and you're able to deal with the situation rather than letting it build up for months and becoming so resentful that you're stuck. Yeah. Um, when I work with executives, they often say that they want to feel connected with their employees and they don't know how to do that. And a big thing is being present and, and knowing someone's name, 
even if you're, if you're really busy, taking the time to just stop by and say hello to people. Then also video is really powerful in this sense, especially if you're an executive at a big company. If you, a lot of um, corporations have internal Facebooks, I think it's called Yammer, and um, everyone is able to just post like they would on Facebook. And if the CEO or any executive posted a video once or twice a week talking about the different things that they're doing, what's going on in their life, and then saying at the end, hey, I would love to hear about this particular thing happening in your life, please feel free to stop by my office. I would love to talk to you. If you see me in the hall, grab me. Um, I am really interested in, in getting to know all of you on a personal level. And that, that's opening dialogue. That's allowing, that's showing people that you are a real person and you are accessible. And being accessible is what creates connection. That's very true. However, I've witnessed the other side of the coin to, uh, to the coin too, where, for instance, I do believe that any CEO, regardless of how great the, the company is, is actually approachable. However, there are a lot of people that even though the CEO or the greatest leader of the company is trying to be open, um, the employees believe that he's fake or she, whatever, they're fake. And they don't have, they don't get this courage to actually go and approach them. So for, for these people that, that we're talking about, not assuming, we're just trying to figure out a few, let's say, a few scenarios, right? So for these people who are so afraid of the greater leader of the company, what would be your greatest advice for them to communicate, to start in the first place to communicate with the higher management? To just introduce yourself because especially at a big company, everyone is so busy. But if you take the time to introduce yourself, to just if you see the, the executive in the hall and say, hi, I know you're on your way to somewhere right now. I wanted to introduce myself. I'm new here. My name's Jamie. I work in this department. Um, I've seen a couple of things that you've written about and that you've said, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, would love to stop by your office and chat sometime. And they'll either say, oh, great. It's so nice to meet you, Jamie. Or, you, or they'll be in a rush and go off to the next thing, and then they still need to work on their communication skills. But generally more often than not just introducing yourself opens the door for communication because so many people won't do that that when the executive sees you they'll remember your name because you took the time to mention something specific that is related to them mm -hmm. and anything that you bring up that is related to another person they remember because people think about even the most empathetic people think about themselves more than anyone else because you're with yourself all day. And yeah. if someone says something that makes you feel good, then you remember that and you remember them. And so the next time they see you, they're like, hey, Jamie, how are you going? How was how everything going? Um, how did that thing that you told me about go? Right, right. I totally hear you on this again. Um, seems like we're very much on the same page um, in regards to a lot of topics. But here I want to give a short example to the audience, just, just a short example, and to you yeah. as well, because I witnessed that on my own skin. For instance, to the former employer that um, I worked for, there was this uh, executive, right, that was relocated from Mexico, and he came to Romania to take over the department I was in, and he was the global manager or something like that. And before the, um, the meeting ended, because you know, everybody, you know, they gathered us in order to introduce him to, to us. And by the end of the meeting, he said, if you want to stop by, so he was very, very open from the start. And he said, if you want to stop by and just say hello, feel free to come to me. I'm just a human just like you, you know. And guess what? Nobody did that. So literally no one had the courage to do that but myself. <laughs> so literally, I just let everybody go and just went to him and, and, you know, extended my hand to him. And I said, hi, my name is Andrada. And I'm happy that you're here. I hope that you will have a great stay, whatever. 
the next morning, guess what? This big boss sends me an email on the company, you know, on, on my email address uh, on the company. And he says, hi, thank you. And I appreciate the fact that you came to greet me like no one else took the, you know, took the chance to come and talk to me. I really, really appreciate the fact that you did that. And from there, we actually started a conversation. So after me approaching him after the meeting, we started a conversation via emails. And then every time we saw each other at the elevator or even on the hallway, we were, we felt comfortable about greeting each other. And, you know, just like you said, how did that go? I, I just heard that you had this event or whatever. How did that go? But that went from both sides. So not just from me, but from him as well. I mean, it was this kind of human interaction that actually happened just because he was open and I grabbed the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm totally with, this, uh, with, with you on this as well. And sorry for this example to be so large, but I'm really ha- happy that you, know, you, you told us so many things about how to communicate effectively today. So let me ask you, if people want to approach you, what can they come to you for? People can come to me to become, of course, to become stronger communicators, but specifically if they are executives that are looking to build stronger relationships with their team, um, people who work at, in um, a corporate job who want to become more well-known in their company, um, people that are having conflict with anybody, whether it is their family, whether it's someone at work, whether it's a friend, anyone who wants to learn how to use words that will be most effective when they're communicating can come to me for that. I love helping people get what they want. I actually have a program called Get What You Want and Look Good While Doing It. Hmm. And it's all all about being a better listener, being a more empathetic communicator, checking in with the person that you're speaking with, Mm -hmm. and getting what you want by giving someone else what they need. So this can really be applied to any situation where, where you need some information to get across and you want to do that in the best possible way. Even if you are trying to communicate a stronger brand message and you want to speak to your audience in a way that engages them and in a conversational way that allows them to understand exactly what you're talking about, even if what you're talking about is technical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interpersonal communication brand messaging, um, and negotiation. Those are the topics I generally cover. Oh, okay. Awesome. And where can anyone find you? You can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Jamie dash Cohen. Jamie spelled like Jaime, J-A-I-M-E. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Jame Balaya. Um, and in the next, next month you will be able to find me on my website at use the right words.com. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm sure that it's going to be awesome. Thank you. I'm very excited. It has been a long time coming. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when it comes to communication, I'm sure that you've put a lot of effort into that because you want to convey your message in the best possible manner, right? Yes. And I have to give, I have to take my own advice, which is not waiting until something is perfect. True. Set it out because of course we always want to put our best foot forward. We want to come off in the best possible way. But the way that we do that is to try something to just start and then to improve and evolve as we get feedback, as we get interaction. That is so much more powerful than spending a ton of time getting to what you think is perfect and then realizing that that's not what was perfect for your audience. Mm, I love that. And you actually left the audience with a really powerful message. I was about to ask you to leave them with, with uh, some sort of message that they can ponder over and uh, hopefully get some, some feedback on. But you gave us already this message. 
So I'd like to thank you, Jamie, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. It's a pleasure. And I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, we, we've covered a few areas when it comes to communication and also a few, you know, maybe taboo topics, even when, when it comes to, you know, um, those, those children that, well, children, teenagers, actually, that um, you coached yesterday. So again, thank you for coming and for telling us all these stories and your life experience in the end and talking about storytelling and branding and all, all these beautiful things. So I'm honored to have had you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrada. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life and life will smile right back at you.